is Actually You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. Episode 100, we're here. It took a long time to get here, but we're here and I'm really excited. So just a quick shout out to my client, Christy, who asked me about the podcast and was like, hey, are you ever going to record episode 100? And I was like, I will. I will. I need to get my shit together, but I will. I play these games. I don't know if you can relate, but sometimes I play these games that what I do day to day doesn't matter. Or sometimes I play these games that I am putting shit out on the internet, but no one really cares. And it's just stuff I'm doing in vain and it's dumb. Um, And yeah, those beliefs and those thoughts, they prevent me from following through on things sometimes. I don't know if you can relate. But uh, yeah, so we are here with episode 100. I'm super stoked. We're going to talk about the last marathon that I just ran and how to run your slowest race and actually be okay with it. Um, this is not the advice that a running coach would give you. Um, but you guys know, like this podcast is not, it's like about running, but it's also not really about running, right? Like I'm not teaching you how to run, uh, a sub 35 K. I am not teaching you how to Boston qualify. And those are fine goals. Like, I guess like that's, you know, if that is what you want for your life and you're super obsessed with running and running is your career. That's fine. But for me, Running is a hobby. Running is a metaphor for what is kind of happening in my life. Uh, It's never going to be my full-time career. I'm never going to win a race. Um, I don't care. Running is really a mirror for what is happening in my life. And, you know, I've talked about when I've had a shitty relationship with food or with my body, the same kind of things were happening with running. And when I've had a strong, normal, moderate relationship with food in my body, the same kind of things happened with running. So let's get on with this show. Episode 100. It's crazy. It's been over two years since I started this show. Um, and it's pretty cool to look back and see that it's been pretty consistent, obviously a little bit of a drop, uh, in the last few months, but we're here. So the last marathon that I just ran, uh, was in October. That was my fourth marathon. And I also want you to know that when I use the word ran or run or running, I mean, run, walk, run. Um, I have actually never completed a race without walking a little bit. I don't care what anyone has to say. Walking has been one of the best things that I can do for my body, especially as I'm getting older. Um, I love run, walk, running. Um, It keeps my mind sane. It gives me a little bit of that break while I'm running, that mental relief and that physical relief. Um, And that's just, I mean, that's been kind of how I've trained in the past. And Really, I've been using the Galloway method. Definitely check out Galloway method. Um, I've had a lot of knee and hip issues and was seeing a physical therapist for help uh, helping my body. And really run, walk uh, has been the kindest thing that I could do for my body. And it's also helped me actually follow through on things. Um, there's not this big like, there's not this like, oh my gosh, I have to be so fast. Or, oh my gosh, if I'm not doing it perfectly, you know, what's the point? But honestly, lowering the standards, which is, I'm on this, oh my gosh, I'm on this email list uh, for a running podcast where they're talking about like, are you running, you know, a B, a B minus race when you could be running an A plus race? And I'm like, F yeah, I am. I'm running a B minus race and I'm okay with that. I am okay that I am not going to win the race. Uh, lowering my expectations has actually helped me be more consistent with it. Um, the cool thing is that yes, I have improved over the last five years of running. Um, my body is stronger. I have this stamina that I didn't have before. I have 
the mental strength to go out and run for several hours. Whereas before, like, I mean, five years ago was hard for me mentally to just be out there for 10, 12 minutes. That was really hard. Right. So I have all of these things that I didn't have five years ago. I'm also not as sore as I used to be. Um, I'm not out of commission for a week after a long run. I'm not eating entire tubs of cookie butter after a half marathon. I'm not doing those things. Um, run walking has allowed me to be a hobby runner and actually enjoy it. Like our hobbies should be things that we actually enjoy and not these things that we dread, but I think a lot of us, we have this, that's, that's, that's our relationships with, uh, with ourselves, with life, with the world as we have like dread, a lot of stress. Right. And so that'll bleed over into running. Running is supposed to be this hobby. We will make it into something, um, that's not fun anymore. And so for me, honestly, lowering the expectations has helped me make running fun again. So let's go back to that marathon in October. It was the Desplaines River Trail Marathon. And this was my first uh, trail marathon. I was pretty naive and maybe the word ignorant is the right word, but just had no idea what it meant to run a trail marathon on the Desplaines River here in Chicagoland. Um, it was my first marathon back out there after taking a long time off. So let's see, let's go back. So I did the Quad Cities Marathon several years, several years ago. Then I did Chicago Marathon. Uh, so that was Quad Cities 2015, Chicago 2016, Chicago 2017. Did not run a marathon in 2018. We had gotten married that year. Um, let's see, we were like moving around a ton. We left Atlanta. We went to, came back to Chicago. We were in um, Seattle, Boston, you know, just all of these different places. We went to Thailand. There was a lot happening in 2018. And also I think I was just kind of burnt out and I, running was not a big priority. Um, long distance running was not a big priority, priority during that time. Um, and so coming back to running, I was like, cool. Uh, I want to run this marathon in 2019, but I want to do it in a way that I actually feel good about it, that I actually want to run after it. And so lowering the expectations, there was no expectation for what my time should be. Um, there was, you know, I had a training plan, but it was kind of, kind of loosely followed at times. The training plan was, uh, too time consuming and I had to cut back and I also had to just be okay with that. I was okay with being a B minus student instead of the A plus 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 student. And I'm going to share how that actually has helped me learn to love running more and not need this big break from running. So I, my two goals for the marathon in 2019, the Displains River Trail Marathon was one, stay injury free, right? So I mentioned a little bit of trouble with my knee and my hip, stay injury free. So that meant um, not pushing myself. If I felt pain, to stop, to make sure that I was, you know, doing my physical therapy exercises, to make sure that I was stretching, make sure that I was foam rolling, make sure that I was not running every single day. So my goal, first goal was stay injury free. And then the second goal was actually like running after the race is over, <laughs> actually like it, not have to take a six month or 18 month uh, hiatus from running. Um, the, interest, the interesting thing, I look back, uh, at several years ago when we did the, uh, 100 days of running, which ended with the run with the first run with Jacqueline event. Um, 
that was very much, you know, very all or nothing. That was still when I was kind of in that whole 30 phase of my life of the, you're going to do it perfectly and you're going to do it for this amount of time and no excuses, right? Do the work, no excuses, shut up and just do it. This very like um, authoritarian way of exercising, which made sense. That was the way I viewed food and my body. And so what happened on day 100, right? Went out there, oh my gosh, so great. Day 101, woke up and I was so relieved that I didn't have to go running. I was so relieved, right? Um, and then it took me several months to get back out there and run. This happens a lot in a lot of things that I do in life. Like I have to keep learning this lesson over and over. Stop doing things um, 120% come up with a system that's actually going to work for you so you can keep up with it, okay? So when I was training for the 2019 marathon, again, the goal was actually like running, not need this big break. So what did running look like? What did training look like? I got out there as many times during the week that I could, as many times, um, you know, I just kind of like ran around our neighborhood, which is great because we're just back in Chicago kind of getting a feel for what the neighborhood was. Uh, there were, we lived by a track. I would go out there on the track on weekends. I was running, uh, I was meeting with a group on the lake for a while. I was doing that. I was driving to the lakefront. It's about a half hour. It got to be a little bit too much because once I got there, I realized, huh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm making this big, long distance, but I'm not actually running with anyone. And so that kind of was a mental beating, like, oh my gosh, I, you know, all of this time to get here. And now I still don't have anyone to run with and I'm running for hours and hours and hours by myself. And then I still have to drive back. And so it just became this thing of like, this is not fun. I'm not enjoying this. So what I started doing was just running from my house. This is one of my favorite ways to train. Like I really, some people like running circles some people like running new paths. I really enjoy running from point A, which is my house, <laughs> to point B, which is the halfway mark, turning around and coming back. I love that. I love being able to know um, where all of the mile markers are. I want to know where mile one is, mile two, mile three. I want to know those things. I want to know exactly where I can stop if I need to go to the bathroom or I need to get water. I like knowing those things. And I think that's one of the fun parts of like running where I was running in Chicago. I was running, um, if you know the neighborhoods like Logan Square or Wicker Park, these are neighborhoods that I used to live in several years ago. And so I'm like running through fun neighborhoods. There's tons of coffee shops. I know there's going to be McDonald's somewhere. So I knew that there were places that I could stop if I needed to go to the bathroom or grab water. And I would see people and I would see the murals in Chicago, just some beautiful murals, uh, Michelle Obama, that mural. And then there was a um, a Chicago, just like, um, a Chicago, like the word Chicago with like different things on there. I loved seeing that. Um, but so I would see these landmarks, these sites, uh, that I knew like, okay, cool. It's coming up. I'm going to see this or, oh, cool. I'm going to run past my old apartment or, oh, cool. I'm going to run past the place that I got my nose pierced or the place I got a tattoo. Like I'm, gonna, I'm coming up on these old neighborhood places. And I like that. I like having the routine with that. I don't really enjoy running. Um, cool, like, I don't know, we're gonna go this new path. I don't really enjoy that. I like knowing where things are. So that's what worked for me. That's what I was doing for my long runs. Um, and it was fun. I loved it. Uh, I really enjoyed my training. Yes, there are hard parts. There are hard parts and, you know, there are challenging parts and there are times that like Paul would come and meet me on his bike and he would bring me water or he would ride the last mile or two with me. Um, 
in case you missed out, Paul had surgery and so, or Paul hurt his heel back in April. So this past year has been really tough. He hasn't been able to walk around the tent. So he would come meet me on a bike and uh, bring me stuff. But yeah, like there are definitely times that marathon training is not easy. Marathon training is still hard, but I still enjoyed it. Even during those hard times, even during the, you know, like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be doing it. It's this weird thing of like, I still like this because I know I'm getting so mentally strong every time that I do this. And that's what I, that's what I love about marathon training. Running has never really been about running for me. Running is always about doing something hard that I never thought that I would be able to do and consistently pushing myself. So I will probably never run an ultra marathon. Um, doing a marathon consistently, that's like the, the right amount of challenge for me. And yeah, so I love it. So training was good, got out there. Um, but the thing that I never actually did during my training was actually go and run on a trail, which is like really silly, but again, kind of typical of me. Uh, I also did not research anything about what the Displains River Trail uh, looked like or what happens during this time of year. Um, and had I done that, I would have found out that mm, last year, this marathon flooded, this trail flooded, and they had to reroute the path. So instead of doing this whole like, cool, we're going to run, you know, this big giant 26.2 mile uh, loop, I would have found out that last year, or in 2018 rather, the marathon had to be rerouted and they did four, uh, what is it, four, like six, um, you know, whatever mile loops, okay? Because the, the river flooded, they had to reroute it. And had I looked, I would have seen that people, even with the rerouting, were running through um, lots of water, water up to your shins. Had I done my research, I would have known this. So I wouldn't have been surprised that the same thing happened in 2018. So it's like three days before the marathon and we get an email like, hey guys, uh, uh, the river flooded and we are doing our best to clear the water, but yeah, we might have to reroute the marathon again. We might have to do the loops again. I'm like, what the hell? Like, what is this? I go onto like a Facebook page and I'm like looking at stuff like two days before the race and I'm like, holy shit, people are running through shin deep water. This is not something that I train for. This, I, if, if it's raining outside, if there's any precipitation, I am, I'm not running. I'm not running. Running is something that I want to enjoy. Yes, that it is challenging. And I, I know those things, but I do not like getting wet. I do not like having my feet wet. I saw this and I was like, shit, what do I do? What do I do? I'm like, should I just not do it? Maybe I won't do it. And I'll just run. I'll run the next day. I'll run by myself. I will just run down the streets of Chicago and I'll just run 26.2. I don't really care about the, the metal. Like this never, it's never about the metal. It's about doing hard things, but I do not want to run through water. And so I'm like freaking out. And then the day before the marathon, I start looking at the pictures more and I start thinking about, okay, what do I need to do to prepare for this? What do, what does my body need in order to run through water? And I was like, you know, do I need uh, waterproof shoes? Okay, cool. Should I go buy new shoes the day before my marathon? Probably not the smartest thing. Probably not the smartest thing. I didn't do that, but I did go get socks 
Um, so socks to help protect my feet a little bit more, um, prevent blisters, because uh, that's never fun. And this is also a really fun time because our car was not working during this time. So uh, I had to take an Uber to Lincoln Park to buy socks. <laughs> like these, the most expensive pair of socks in the world, had to take an Uber to Lincoln Park, which is about a half hour away to buy socks from REI. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm already here. Might as, buy, might as well buy some other socks. So left the store with my socks, had to take another Uber back home and was still freaking the F out about this. Like, oh, I don't want to get wet. I don't want to get wet. I don't want to get, also, I don't even know what the heck to wear. I don't even know what to wear because it is supposed to be so cold tomorrow and I know that my feet are going to get wet so do I want my you know do I want to be wearing leggings that are going to be soaking wet like what the heck am I supposed to be wearing so I ended up wearing uh capris and my blister uh blister free socks regular running shoes on um, I think a turtleneck and a vest and my hat and you know got out there my aunt drove me again, didn't have our car. Perfect timing for all of these things to happen. My wonderful aunt drove me um, up north and sat with me, thank goodness, uh, until the race started. And the race starts, I give her a hug and a kiss, and I get out there and I get going. And the first mile, I, I just, I'm <laughs> thinking back, and it's like, I had no clue what was happening. Like I remember seeing like a little bit of water, like a little puddle and like, mm, I'm going to tiptoe around this. Like, mm, I don't want to get my feet wet. Um, not realizing that that was nothing like, Oh, I was so concerned about not getting my feet wet. And then a few feet more, just a few feet more. And there's the effing river, like just go through this river and you know, it's, it's up to your shins. And it's just like, Oh my gosh, here we go. Here we go. We're going to do this. The thing that I didn't realize is when it is maybe 33 degrees outside, that means the water is freezing. And when you go through cold water, what happens to your blood vessels? They constrict, everything tightens up. So you're going through this water and you're leaving this water and like you're supposed to keep running and like your feet and your shins, everything is just tightening up and it's so difficult, oh my gosh. And then, and you're like, okay, cool. We made it through that. Great. Look, there is another, another puddle, another river for you to go through. And this would happen constantly just in that first mile. Okay. That first mile. And I was just like, this is, this is hell. I don't like, Oh, I don't want to be doing this anymore. I don't want to be here. Um, quitting never crossed my mind, but there's still this, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. I don't like being cold. I don't like being wet. And that was the reality of the race. So that was just the first mile. So, right. So I'm running out the first mile, um, to get to this cone, then looping back and running through all of those same puddles again, and then doing another loop around. So you went through these puddles, uh, four times, but actually eight times. So it was that. So it was like, you're running, your feet get wet, you dry off a little bit, your feet get wet, you dry off a little bit. And then you run another like six miles and you come back to this puddle mess. Um, so it was the most uncomfortable thing that I've ever experienced. I was so cold. I was so tired. I was so lonely. Uh, I also ended up forgetting to bring my headphones. I don't know how I ended up doing that, but, um, forgot to bring them. So I'm on this trail by myself for all of this time. Um, didn't have headphones, didn't have a run group. That was something else I didn't realize was 
how few people would be there. So this is the, usually when I'm running a marathon, I will buddy up with someone. I will find some random person and buddy up with that. And I'm like, cool, like we're going to run at least a little bit and we'll chat and we'll talk and whatever. No, I didn't find anyone that was running the same pace as me. So it was, there are times that it was really, really effing lonely. Um, I will say that there was an ultra marathon running at the same time as us. So that was helpful because I would still see people, I would run past people, even if I was the last person to finish the marathon, there were still people running the ultra marathon. So I would see these people and at least say hello. Like that's so helpful to be able to say hello to someone. There were, there were no crowds, maybe a few people out there watching their family members, but no crowds of people, so no cheering. So that was another fun part. You know, like when in training plans, like it gets up to like mile 18 or mile 20 and they're like, don't worry. Um, you will run the last six miles with that adrenaline, the crowds cheering you. You'll just be so excited. It'll get you. And this wasn't that because at the last six miles, there's still no one there. You're still running these loops. There's no one there. Your feet are still wet. It's cold. It's not fun. So it was really mentally challenging, really mentally challenging. But I'm, I'm just so proud of myself for doing it. This is not something that 10 years ago I would have been able to do. Like if someone told me like, hey, you know, like 25 or 24, hey, in 10 years, you are going to run a trail marathon basically by yourself and it's going to be really cold out and there's going to be puddles everywhere and you're going to hate every second of it. But somehow you are going to just miraculously finish it and not quit. I'd be like, no, I don't even know how to run a mile, right? So I, I was just so proud of myself for sticking with it, for going with it. Quitting really never crossed my mind, but there was just this like, I don't want to be doing this, but I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to finish it. How did I get myself to finish it? There were a couple things, right? So I didn't have my headphones. I couldn't listen to music. I didn't, Paul came actually, he did come. Um, and I saw him for parts of the race, but again, it was like these loops. So I would see him for like two seconds and there wasn't really places for him to go and see me. So there were just a lot of like mindset tricks that I would play. Um, and tricks isn't the right word mindset helpers. So counting my steps, that's something I did. Um, saying hello to people, singing songs in my head, texting my family, asking them to text me songs that I could sing in my head. And also fun fact, emotional eating. Oh my gosh. There was a lot of emotional eating happening during this trail uh, marathon. Anytime that I saw a booth with food, I was like, yes, I am getting a donut and that donut is going to be my reward for running this. This isn't something that I do in my regular life, right? Like I don't want rewards for running. Running is the reward. But I will say that during the race, emotional eating is part of the thing that got me through this race, uh, rewarding myself with food. Um, so that, yeah, there was a lot of that happening. Um, there was a lot of me, uh, taking my socks off and shaking sand out of my socks. Um, right. So these socks prevented blisters, but they did not prevent sand and little rocks getting in my shoes and my socks. So that really, uh, lengthened the time that I was out there. I had no idea how long this race would take me. I knew that my training, you know, was decent. I was consistent with getting out there, but I was not training super fast. And I also know that running on a trail and running with fewer people that you're going to, they're just going to be 
you're not going to have as much of a push to go, right? So like when you're running the Chicago Marathon, there are like crowds and crowds of people. And so even if you want to stop, like you have to like get the F out of the way so that you don't get trampled. And so you kind of just keep going because there's so many people and you're so excited. People are cheering for you. Those times that you're really low, there's people cheering for you, or you might see someone you can run with them. There wasn't going to be that with this, this race. Um, and then I knew, you know, without, uh, clear pavement, there's just going to be these things. And then the factors of like, yeah, me taking my shoes off, me taking my socks off, me stopping at the booths to talk to people, to eat donuts, to pretend like I was on a coffee break. Uh, a lot of those different factors, um, that affected my time. And so my time was actually, I think it was like seven hours, which is two hours slower than the Chicago marathon. And I think about 40 minutes slower than my first marathon. And you know what? I'm okay with it. I didn't get out there to run my fastest marathon. The fun thing too, is that literally no one asked me my, what my time was. I think sometimes we get like so afraid to run races because we're like, oh my gosh, what's my time? Are people going to ask me? Does anyone care? And the truth is no one effing cares. The people who care are people, I don't know, like I don't know. I've never had someone ask me what my time was, but my time was over seven hours for this race. Again, two hours slower than my fastest marathon. And you want to know the great thing is that I got out there again a week after the marathon. Um, actually a few days after the marathon, I was biking again to my office and maybe a week out after the marathon, I was out there running again. I was like excited to go running. My body wasn't so beat up. My mind was not so beat up. I was actually excited to get out there and go running again. This is the first time in my life after a marathon that I wanted to go running. I see Facebook posts that'll pop up and it'll be like, all right, it's been, you know, it's been a month since the marathon and I haven't even run a mile yet. Like, I guess I should, I should go out there. I should. And try and use the word should to get myself to do something it never really works. It didn't work to get me. I wasn't excited to go out there uh, in past times, but I was actually excited after this marathon to go out there and run. I was just so proud of myself for sticking with it. And it felt good. Like it felt good to get out there and go running. And so it's been several months, you know, since the marathon and I haven't had this big drop off. Um, I don't even look at my time anymore. I just run consistently. So since October, what running has looked like for me is I run usually one mile in the morning. Um, this has definitely helped with seasonal depression and getting out there and moving my body, feeling the sun, feeling cold air on my skin. Um, so I get out there and I run one mile or sometimes I walk it when I don't feel like I want to run. I just walk it, but I've been really consistent about going to treadmill classes at run Chicago, which is this running studio here in Wicker park in Chicago. I've been going to those. I'll do uh, long runs on weekends. I joined a running club so I could consistently run through the winter. So I've been doing seven, 10, 11, 12, 13 miles outside, um, I just did 13.1 miles on the treadmill uh, this past Saturday. Like this is the first time in my life where I actually am running after a marathon and really enjoying it, really seeing my body grow, really seeing my mental strength, really enjoying it. 
Um, yes, it's still hard. Yes, it is still challenging. Um, but that's the fun part about it is like doing something hard and also having so much evidence that this is something that I can do when those tough times come up, reminding myself like, Hey, well, you did this thing. This might be hard right now. It's going to be challenging, but you can do it. You can do hard things. You do it all the time. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm really proud of myself for sticking with it, for being really kind and gentle to myself during marathon training this past year, um, not expecting an A++ performance, uh, despite what running coaches say, that has never helped me fall in love with running. This being okay with the B minus, or maybe it was a C, maybe it was a D or F, I don't even know. I don't even know if we need to put a grade on how I did at the marathon, but running my slowest marathon and running my slowest marathon and being kind to myself has actually helped me consistently run, which is crazy. Again, the opposite of what everyone tells you, the opposite of the all or nothing, go, go, go mentality, the no excuses. Um, and the fun thing too is that, so I actually, I got into the Chicago marathon, which is in October. And as I was kind of like looking for some stuff to do, something fun, I found out that there was another marathon here in Chicago. It's brand new. It's in April. And so I got into Chicago and I was like, you know what? It would be really great if I kept my long distance runs up there. So I signed up for the marathon in April. So I'm running two marathons this year. After running my slowest marathon in 2019, I decided I'm ready to run two marathons. Um, I am not checking my time. I'm just showing up consistently for myself. So again, that looks like going to classes at Run Chicago, maybe two or three times a week, doing a long run on Saturdays. And then I've also been doing um, a short run with a friend uh, here on the 606 path and just doing like doing it, running in a way that feels good and it's fun. It's still challenging, but it's something that I'm actually going to be able to stick with consistently for years and years to come instead of this go 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 need a drop off go 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 need a break go 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 I hate this I don't want to do this again um, instead of doing that just doing the low expectations the bare minimum consistently doing the bare minimum consistently has helped me want to do more has helped me actually enjoy the process so running my slowest race and actually being okay with it has helped me be a better runner. So if you are a slow runner, you are someone who like, you know, freaks out about your pace, your time, or, you know, if people ask you, know that I ran my slowest race, I'm okay with it. I am still out there running and loving the process, loving the journey instead of just focusing on the end result. Because at the end of the day, that end result doesn't matter. I'm not winning the Olympics. It means nothing, but showing up for myself, that helps me, you know, be the person that I want to be. All right, guys, take care. So I get a lot of questions about running and about eating and really a lot of questions about turning your life around. Um, so you guys know my background is in education. I was a teacher for several years until I realized I can no longer work in the public schools and had to figure out what the heck I was doing with my life. That's kind of how I started running and then also how I became obsessed with dieting and my only focus in my life was on my body. But then I worked my way out of that and I started a blog. I started the podcast. I got my health and life coaching certifications. I started implementing systems and habits and really just becoming a better version of myself. Um, not the new year, new me, but just like, you know, same Jacqueline, 
just the, uh, the more evolved Jacqueline, the happier Jacqueline. And so I get a lot of questions about this and like, cool, Jacqueline, you know, like, how do I start doing this? How do I figure out my life? How do I, you know, become a healthier person or a happier person? I'm really upset with my weight or with a lack of hobbies or just, I'm really upset with my career. What I did was I took everything that really has helped me help my relationship with myself, with food, with exercise, honestly, with my thoughts and beliefs about myself. I took all of that stuff and I put it together in a course. It is completely free. It's called, it's called the ease into imperfect eating foundational course. Um, but we don't just talk about eating. We really talk about meals, mindsets, uh, movements, and sleep. Yes. I know that you guys are struggling with sleep. We all are. We're on our cell phones. We're like watching TV. We're like scrolling constantly and you know, all this anxiety about having to wake up on Monday and go to work. Right. I know what that's like. And so I want to help you. I want to help you feel good in 2020. If you have a weight loss goal, cool. That's fine. If you don't have a weight loss goal and you're just like, I want to feel really great this year. Yes. I'm there for you too. But ease into imperfect eating. It's a really fun course, it's via email. You'll get a video or a journal prompt each week. All of them are designed to help you learn how to be the best version of yourself this year. Learn how to add health in so that you actually feel healthier and happier and not, you know, healthy habits be this thing that stresses you out that doesn't make any sense. So ease into perfect eating. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. Ease into imperfect eating. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Uh, make sure that you get in there.